Hello everyone and welcome back to yet another episode of The Gloving Paradigm, where I am your host, Peter aka LPD Dubuque, the cringiest glover on YouTube. <laughs> that no one watches because apparently you guys just don't watch any gloving content whatsoever. Or if you do, you barely even pay attention to it. I don't know. Idiot. Anyway, let's <laughs> let's get past all that crap. I don't want to delve any further. So, if you guys watched my episode last week, you guys know what this episode's going to be about. If you did not watch it, I, I'm not surprised because who the hell watches this stuff anyways? <laughs> oh, I made myself sad. So, this week, you guys should know that this is another installment to the wonderful, wonderful miniseries known as the Chip Analysis Archive. Yeah! Yes, I'm finally going to release another one of these and I hope you guys are really excited because I have a lot to talk about when it comes to this particular chip. And the reason is, is because it has a lot of good things going for it and it has not so many good things going for it. So I don't care how people feel about this. This is what I look at in terms of what a product should be providing for the community and what it, can, what it is providing is good but what else it needs to provide should also be included, so on and so forth. Of course, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to break down pretty much all the stuff you need to know in terms of the specifications when it comes to a particular chip. And then of course, I want to cover all my points of quality, which you're seeing right here, all these lovely little points that I look for when it comes to doing a chip. So, if you're somebody who's aspiring to become a manufacturer for the gloving community in the fashion of making chips, such as you know, the Spectras or the Ions or the Uber Nanos or the, the ones I'm going to review, which I'm just going to spell it right now. Yes, it is the Throwlight Apollos. These are the ones I'm going to be covering. But if you are aspiring chip manufacturer and engineer, de designer thing, I might insert the line here. I, I'm not sure. Five minutes later. Yes, if you're one of those people who are trying to do something like this, this is something I hope gives you a good idea of what you want to kind of aim for in terms of points of quality. Now, before we get right into this, I want to disclaim that no, Thoralize did not pay me to do this. This is an independent analysis on their products. No one's asking me to do this. I'm doing this out of my own good time and out of my own good money. If you guys want to help me out, there's also the Patreon thing right over there. Please, this is serious. But yes. I, I just want to stress the fact that I'm not affiliated with any company, therefore none of them are asking me to do this. Therefore, none of them are actually going to curate how I do my review. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Yeah. Though, you know, there are companies out there that have spoken to me about it and they like that I go about the way that I and they actually like the points of quality that I have because that's kind of the same idea that they were thinking of. You are a liar! No, I'm not! So, let's get right into it. A few moments later. So, you guys should know that yes, I'm doing Throwlight Apollos. These are pretty much the latest programmable chips that have come out onto the market. Uh, if I remember correctly, they came out in 2020, I want to say, maybe 2019? Regardless, that doesn't really, that's immaterial at this point. But yes, these are the latest iterations of programmable chips on the market. So, what are some of the features? Five minutes later. First things first, I want to go over your features that you have in here. So, when it comes to the Apollos, the Apollos have 16 colors plus a blank with 
how everything's set up all together, you have a lot of combinations, which I'll tell you the number afterwards. But yes, you have 16 colors plus a blank with tint control or true brightness. They don't really specify which one they're using, so I'm going to assume tint control tends to be the easier one of the two. You have six color slots per mode or six colorways as they like to refer to it. I don't know why. You have six different flash patterns. Of course, six mode slots as well, which again, if you're not familiar with my modes, I did, but between modes and slots, then it's gonna be a long day. A little longer than a few minutes later. But yes, you also have battery lock. You have an escape feature and factory reset. These are your specifications. These are what you're able to do with your things. So if you're asking me with the number of modes, the number of color slots, and the number of flash patterns and things of that nature, how many combinations do you have in total? Well, wow. now if you let me check my notes here, you will actually see that to the exact number is 13,841,287,201 different combinations that you're able to come up with. Yes, that does include repeatable selections. I know how to do my math. <laughs> Whatever you say, Stone Cold Steve Austin. If you want, I will even put up a little thing right here showing you my, my the method of how I came about the numbers, so. Yeah. Much, much, much later. Okay, so you have all these, you have, these are your features. These are what you're getting offered at the price point. Uh, uh, somewhere over here, here's the price point, enjoy. I don't usually try to keep track of those just because they always fluctuate. So it's always good just to use post-production work. Wow! Okay, so when it comes to your programming is as simplified and summarized as the best way I can do this. Your first selection is going to be your color selection, which would be signified by the color orange. You got six color slots that you can choose from, so you go from anywhere from one to six colors that you can choose from. Yes, you can add in blanks to kind of manipulate the flash pattern manipulations. Go check out my episode about flash pattern manipulations up there. Uh, no, I don't really feel like it. You know, you, you have all these different ways to go about it. It's very simple. You just go you choose the mode that you want to change, you hold it until you see the orange light, then you'll go into your programming selection. You choose the colors that you want, you hold down until you get to the proper tint setting that you want, then you let go. If you want to back out without doing any selections to it, just leave it inactive for like 30 seconds or hold down the button for 12 seconds if I remember correctly. Check out the the link will to the handbook will be in the description below. Go check it out. Six and a half hours later. Okay, so that's pretty much what you got. Then you got flash pattern selection, which is your next one. So you're going to go to the mode that you want to change, and then you're going to hold it down until you see blue. Once you see blue, it's going to start on full strobe, and then it's going to cycle through the selections that they have. They have six total ones. They have full strobe, dots, super tight, flash X, hyper strobe, and bit blank, which, in my opinion, that's my favorite one. Wait, what? So yes, you have that. now. You also have battery lock, which is pretty simple. You have the light turned off, you hold it until you see a red flash, and then boom. You pretty much lock your light from there. I believe it does have a yes, no, ask thing like most of the uh, newer chips do, but you can't quite recall. F***ing idiot. Correct me if I'm wrong, please do not hesitate to do so. I like it when people prove me wrong. So, why do you hate me and Jesus? I don't think my brownie's working. Okay, and the last little programming feature you need to know is Mastery Reset, which is if the light's turned off, hold it until you see purple. Once you see purple, you're going to confirm it, and boom. The light is now set to factory settings. 
What a time to be alive. All right. So now that I quickly got that stuff out of the way, which I'm so glad I got that part out of the way, now we can finally go into the points of quality, which again, guys, check it out right here. These are my points of quality. So the first one I want to start with is... All right, here's the thing that I want to talk about when it comes to the Apollos and the colors that they have. I'm not saying that their color palette is bad. I would say if you're looking for what is the bare minimum of colors and variety of colors, I would say the Apollo hit it, okay? The Apollo hits it on that point. If you want the bare minimum of colors that you need, the Apollos have it. They have 16 colors plus the blank, so there's a total of 17. You have a good amount of color selection. Do you have a lot of variety between all these colors? Not really. Um, I really felt like these colors were very limited in the sense that you didn't get a whole lot of, I'm not saying like you need these slight variations, it just didn't have these very strong contrasting ones out there. So what do I mean by this is like, pinks, you only got magenta, which I don't even think they call it that. And then they have this one called coral, which it's fine. It doesn't really come off as a pink, more as just a, a blushy white, but that's just me being a little bit nitpicky. I will certainly say that uh, green feels like it has the most favorable colors in the, in the color pie. So apparently Google wanted to open itself, close. Stupid phone. <laughs> now where was I? Oh, right. Okay, another thing I will also certainly say that I know a lot of people haven't been around as long as I have. I've been doing this for 11 years. Gloving, not the podcast, just wanna stress that. We know, we know, we know. I have been doing this for 11 years, so I've seen a lot of different iterations of programmables. I will certainly say without a doubt that this is what I call pre-chroma technology. This, the color palette stuff, the color programming stuff is very pre-chroma tech. Um, what is that supposed to mean? When the chroma first came out, the original E-Lite Chroma, where it had 19 colors plus a blank, just want to stress that, it redefined how our programming features were set up because how the technology in the lights were made. So, traditionally, there is one single diode that has three little things in it, and that would be how the programmables were made. When the Chroma came out, it separated those that one diode that had three little colors in it into three separate diodes to change all the coloration. That's why we have so much variation in colors from the chroma forward, all right? So when you look at this color setup and these color configurations, I'm reminded of pre-chroma technologies from like Elite Oracle's Elite Matrix, the, the Drop series when they were programmable. There was a lot, there wasn't a whole lot of programmable stuff out there that if there were programmables, they were only set up in ways of pre-configured configurations that you can just cycle through. Look at bit twos. Yeah, you're a little bit limited in your variety and it's pre-chroma tech, but here's the thing. As somebody who's an old head like myself, I get massive nostalgia vibes from the Apollos and I like that. That's something that appeals to me. That's just me saying that as my opinion. I'm not saying that everybody wants that, but that's something that I like to see, okay? One thing I want to point out that I kind, I, I have to say it because 
it is what it is. Uh, I am testing these with different cameras and so far my cameras aren't able to tell the difference between certain colors. So if you stick something like lavender and silver together in the same color set, you're not really going to tell the difference. Uh, at least I wasn't able to tell the difference and a lot of people I've shown didn't really see a lot of differentiation, differentiation in colors. So yes, you do have a color bleeding problem. All right, this is something I always point out as something I don't like. I'm, I guess I am a color purist. You're the worst. But yes, color bleeding is a significant problem that could really tarnish the quality of the color sets that you have programmed in. Now, are there ways to get around this? Certainly by putting colors in between those to help break them apart is a smart idea. It's something that I see to be used as a simple solution. Oh. Oh. Not everybody likes that though. I totally get it. But again, chroma technology really helped fix a lot of the color bleeding problems. There's still a couple of them, but that's only in terms of battery usage and wear and tear and stuff like that. But it's neither, neither here nor there. So, but again, with the bare minimum stuff that this kind of thing is feeling like it's offering, it's serviceable. All right, so the next one, flash patterns. You pretty much have all your staple flash patterns in there. You have DOPS, you have full strobe, you have hyperstrobe. You can count flash X as the strobe equivalent, but it's not necessarily strobe because in idle, it doesn't give that strobe, you know, that strobe flicker that we all know. Uh, it actually gives off a much more different kind of lens flaring feel to it. Uh, the best way I can describe it is when you move those colors around, you actually see this weird kind of edging on the edges of your colors. That it's kind of cool. Uh, not entirely sure if that has anything of significance, but that is something that I just noted for myself. And of course, like I said, bit blank is my personal favorite. I love the OMG light bits. Those were my jam before programmables became the, the new paradigm of the gloving world. Oh brother, this guy stinks! So, one thing I will certainly say is I kinda wish super tight was actually like a ribbon or the chroma flash pattern. I would want to call it the ribbon flash pattern or the solid flash pattern, whatever you guys want to call it, whoop-de-doo, who cares? I care. I like having a solid flash pattern like that in there for a lot of reasons. It allows people to create these any lengths of strobes that they can do within that. Super tight, if you don't know what super tight is, it's basically like dots put on super super blast. When, when you see an idle, it looks like a solid color and when you move, you have to move around pretty harsh to actually get the breaking that you show up. In my opinion, I would rather have a solid flash pattern. That's just me. People can bicker with me all the want and they can sit there and tell me, oh, but Peter, you can just put one color on that and just go all the way through and it should be fun. Eh. Approximately 10 hours later. Again, I feel like we're just nitpicking at that. All right, next point. Color blending slash tint, which if you don't really understand what I mean by this is color blending is, you know, what the colors look like when they're blended together and idle and tent control kind of blends into that because it's supposed to help with the idle part. Okay, yes, having certain colors being brighter than others help make them pop out more and help the other ones be a little bit more subtle, so on and so forth. That's not really the point here when it comes to color blending. All right, so 
with the color blending, it's not that bad. It's actually pretty good. I don't think I was actually able to manipulate it really well. I was actually able to get what I wanted in terms of tints really well. So if you're asking me, how can I judge or test the color blending and the tint control stuff to great effect? So what I like to do is I will program in the three primary colors, which is red, green, blue. And then I will program in a secondary color in between the colors that make them. And I would actually change the tint brightness settings on all the colors to see if the tint changes properly. For example, if you want to use yellow. So you have red, green, blue, green and, green and red make yellow, right? So you put yellow in between. To test my theory or to test this, I make red, yellow, green, bright, blue, I make blue uh, medium. It will give me off a very yellow tint, which is what I would desire. Now, if I wanted to still have a RGB tint that we're very familiar with from the old days, my trick is basically I make red and yellow medium, green and blue on high, and you get that blue cyan tint that everybody knows so well from RGB. Oh, cool. I mean, cool. This is how I test color blending and tint control because that's basically how my understanding of color theory works when it comes to light. Again, I did a wonderful, wonderful job on the intro to color theory, so go check it out. So one other thing I will certainly say that people need to understand when it comes to the color blending and stuff, it also comes down to your, your battery life as well. What? So when the batteries are starting to get pretty low, you get what I like to call color rosing. What color rosing is, is basically it starts shifting in towards the red. Why does it shift in towards red? Well, red does not take a lot of power to project itself in terms of light because it's a very long wavelength. Hence why you don't have to push it. So when your batteries are starting to die, your lights start moving into that red. I call it color rosing. It roses into that color. That's just a good indicator. Hey, you gotta change your lights. You gotta change your batteries. You gotta get those taken care of. Is it a bad mark on them? No, I find I find the rosing to be a good indicator for you to change your batteries. And I am okay with that. If a light naturally tells you, hey, your batteries are dying really badly, I'm okay with that. Now, yes, Futuristic Lights has their little feature that if it's down to a certain percentage, you'll see the light blink a certain color. If it gets down to a certain point, it will blink two colors, or I think, if I remember correctly. So, one other thing I will certainly say, again, the color bleeding problem lends into this as well, and it does hurt the distinction. Because even if I try to change the tints on those two colors that bleed into each other, it still does not it does not change the, the effect of the tint overall. It stays that same color no matter what. So that is kind of a kind of an issue that that's just a thing for me. Um, okay. Another point, brightness. I will certainly say that these lights are freaking bright. Really, really bright. Like they blast your camera pretty hard, especially if you don't know how to adjust the camera settings really well. But man, do these lights really blast at you. I've talked to so many people who have their hands on these on these sets and they're like, man, these are the brightest lights I've had to dealt with in a long time. I will certainly agree with that. But again, that's, that's other people's preferences. Some people like them brighter, some people don't like them bright. Guess what? 
Sync control helps you with that. If it's too bright to you, drop everything down a single level and that should probably help it. If not, then I'm sorry. I will certainly say that tint control and all that stuff when it comes to the colors are very consistent. It really, I feel it does a really good job in keeping the color saturation pretty well. So if there's a mark up on the Apollos over some of the other chips is that it's color consistency when it comes to its tint on brightness is really, really good. And of course, I will certainly say when it comes to brightness, it is very, the color consistency and intensity and all that stuff stay very consistent 80% of the time. What do I mean by 80% of the time? The other 20% of the time is because your batteries are dying. <laughs> oh, it's funny because it's true. That's that's what I mean by 80% of the time. From the, the battery life from beginning to end, consistent 80%, which is good. You can't have consistency 100% all the way through because I, I don't know how with, you know, batteries with, you know, fumes of life um, can still produce such high lumens, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Next one, accuracy. Accuracy basically is talking about is how accurate are the colors, how accurate are the flash patterns, and how accurate everything put together. That's pretty much what I mean by accuracy. Now, yes, accuracy also means in terms of like accelerometer, but this doesn't have an accelerometer, so we don't have to worry about that. But yes, colors are extremely bright, are extremely vibrant individually, though, the, again, color bleed. Flash patterns are not drastically big, massive wows. They're all in the safe zone. They're probably the most versatile flash patterns that you have right at the market, uh, except for super tight, don't really. I don't really see that one being necessary, but it's just me. I will certainly say that your idle tint is pretty consistent. Again, color bleeding problem does hit this down a couple of pegs. I'll certainly say, I know a lot of people might say that I'm being a little nitpicky about the color bleeding problem, but guess what? That's just me, and that's something you're just gonna have to deal with. <laughs> this guy. All right, next one, battery life. So. I've actually tested this and I actually burned through two sets of batteries, but on average, you're going to get about 13 to 14 hours of battery life from beginning to end. Am I saying that on a constant thing? <laughs> no, I do not let it sit there for that long. No, don't have time to sit around for 12 hours like that. However, I will certainly say, God damn it, let me try that again. However, I will certainly say that with a little bit of tinkering with your tint levels and stuff like that and which flash patterns you actually use, you can get up to about 18 hours. Yes, I can actually get up to 16 to 17 hours on the atoms and I can get about the same, about around the same place when it comes to the chroma controls. The original ones, not the evos, just so you guys know. Say what? But yeah, actually getting about 18 hours of really good color consistency and things like that, pretty impressed you know you you have to admit some some lights really burn through batteries really easily so kudos kudos on throw lights for doing that all right next point ease of use yes this light is very simple to use your first color you have color selection flash pattern selection lock so you don't have all these big fancy whistles in it it gives you pretty much the bare minimum of what you need to do to make a programmable light and make it function well, though I will certainly say with the less features it does feel a little bit more streamlined. I know to a lot of people when they hear accelerometers and flash patterns and color selections and all that stuff it's like oh my god there's too much. 
No, it literally is broken down into separate things. You need to change colors, you go into color selection. You don't, to the people who think that programming is complicated now, allow me to explain to you how the oracles were programmed. So the oracles, you had three color slots per color mode and you had eight modes. In order to program multiple modes, you literally had to program each three color sets one in one after another. If you mess up, you have to start over from the very first set and program them all in again. This is way easier, so please, please stop saying it's complicated when it's really not. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. You need to change one thing, you change that one thing. However, I will certainly say with the less features, it does feel a little bit more streamlined. However, you do not have something that makes it so much easier. Chip-to-chip -chip communication makes it a lot easier. Am I complaining that this chip does not have chip to chip communication? No. I'm perfectly fine programming all my lights individually. We have methods to program your lights. I'll even make a tutorial video of how to program your lights if you do not have a chip to chip feature or the Bluetooth feature that the Chroma Evo, <laughs> not the Chroma Evo, the Spectra Evo slash Spectras have. 12 seconds later. If you don't have these two features, I'll even make a tutorial of how to program your lights to make it a lot faster. However, one major thing I need to point out. And to me, this is a big hit against the light. This light does not offer Conjure mode. No, bad. You have to offer conjure mode. People don't tell me what to do. I tell them what to do. Yes, conjuring is not a very popular archetype within the gloving community. I understand that. However, we do have a team called something out of nothing that is a conjuring team. Therefore, there is a market for people who want a conjure mode. Not offering conjure mode segregates this particular section of the community from your products. As much as that did sound bad, it's the truth. You literally just told them, hey, we don't really care. Now, I know there are people out there that are gonna be like, oh, Peter, you can just program the second thing, it blanks it, then you program it again in the first. No, I don't think the idea of programming one set in a blank set three times each, because you have six, six of them that you have to program in to make a conjure feature? No, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> Three days later. So, yes, major hit against the light, no conjure mode, bad. You gotta offer conjure mode because there is a very strong underground section of the community that are conjurers and they want that. Yes, there is multi-mode conjuring, I know, not getting into that. Well, thank you. Focusing on the main thing here, and that's conjure mode. So, yes, big head against it that didn't have conjure mode. Next one, immobility. Now, I know a lot of people probably are going to be kind of confused when I ask about immobility because they're like, well, you have gloves on, the lights stay in place. Not necessarily true. As somebody who's a phaser, conjurers will also understand, impactors will understand to a certain degree. But when we go to change our lights and stuff, it's really good to keep the lights in place and having a way to keep them in place 
is good. The Apollos with their casing, which is the Stardust casing. I'm not gonna get into why it's called the Stardust casing. There is an entire story that will come out later down the road about that, but same focus here on the casing itself. Does not offer that ergodynamic material that you know Mason Lights was very proud of when they first came out with their their Elite casing. It doesn't offer that. So for someone like me, yes, the the lights slip. They make my fingers go like that and slip really easily. So do I know how to compensate for that? Yes, from my experience, being as experienced I am with mode changes, yes, I have learned to compensate for that kind of stuff. However. To somebody who's not very in initiated in that field. God damn it, why can't I talk? <laughs> to somebody who's not really well initiated into the field of mode changes, this could be a problem for them and it could cause some frustration. That's just how it is to some people. However, I will certainly say in due time, the more you keep practicing on it, the better you're going to get at it. So do keep that in mind. I will certainly say as somebody who has three different light sets that are from three different companies that have three different configurations of materials and all that stuff that they use. Yeah, it, it is kind of a challenge to adjust to each one. I actually have to spend a good 20, 30 minutes just tinkering around and getting used to doing that again before I can actually do a good strong performance with them. Now, one final thing when it comes to the casing part is it yes, we do have third party case makers out there that make really good casings for these lights. So if you want to choose a different casing, go check out Glow LED. They have stuff for, for the Apollos. Oh, thanks, man. But other than that, that's, that's just something I know some people are gonna gripe. I will say this though, when it comes to the casing, I really, really like the diffuser that connects on top of the casing and it keeps in a nice smug fit. I love this idea. If any of the companies out there are thinking of any ideas that's going to cater to me, that's gonna make me happy, make custom diffusers that connect to your casing okay i like that idea but you know what i'm just some dude in a, in a closet talking about gloves all right so next point is size which yes these lights are about the same size as the e-light series or easy light series whatever amazing lights call them i don't care i care however you do not use the same batteries they do use the 1225 batteries like any of the nano chips you use, which is your, your Uber nanos, your Aurora nanos, your ions and your atoms. And I think there's another one out there that I'm not really quite remembering off the top of my head, but who cares? I care. Yeah, so pretty good size. It's, it's not too big, it's not too small. I tend to like a little bit of the bigger chip than the nano chips, that's just personally me. But I do see the appeal of nano chips, they're really cool. But like I said, with the Stardust casing and then the attachable diffusers, they do feel much bigger, but I'm okay with that. The other thing I also want to say is that, again, just a point mark up on the casing, is I do, again, like the remo removable diffuser, but it's attachable to set itself in place on the casing, it's really cool. So with my conclusion, where do I stand on the Apollos? Well, in all honesty, I find the Apollos to be what I would want to have as a good introductory burner set. Why? It's because it doesn't offer all these, I don't want to say bells and whistles features, but it gives you the bare bones to get somebody started in understanding programming. 
Okay, yes, the ions have figured out to streamline it the best way possible with how they have it. However, to somebody who wants to delve into just tinkering around with lights a bit more, manipulating around with their flash patterns, and you know, getting a little bit more of an understanding of how their lights work, I feel that the Apollo has hit this mark. I feel, especially to somebody who's been in a franchise Glover as long as I have, this definitely speaks to me as a nostalgia chip. This hits all those points in my little indicate brain that has all those nostalgia points that I just mm, I love. I just want, mm, yes, I want all that nostalgia. Stop it. Get some help. So, I like how it hits that point for me, but that's just me. I can't have that as a mark against it. But, definitely want to say that this is a pretty good bare bones way to get somebody introduced into programming with lights as a Glover. Okay, the price point, really good. This is probably, in my opinion, the best burner set you can have. Because besides bold chips where you don't have to program, these are programmable. So you actually have some versatility in that, that department. And again, a lot of us Glovers like versatility. Yes, so with the small features that it does have, it makes it feel really easy to use. I, I like kind of the simple stuff. You have very simple colors, very simple color slots, flash patterns and modes. You know, I personally think five or six modes are probably the, the max amount that you want. I think having eight is a little bit too much. That's just me. Everybody else is probably gonna tell me who cares, whatever. However, like I said, Offering no conjure mode is a big hit to your customer base because there is still a lot of people who conjure Even if they don't post videos, which is to me a big damn shame because I want to see more conjuring videos You got to cater to them as well. Otherwise, they're not going to buy your chip because if I was a conjurer I'm gonna look at this and be like wait You're not gonna offer me a one-off feature that I can just choose any mode that I want to make it the, the one mode I don't want that because you're gonna make me have to program in the set, program in a blank, same set, blank, same set, blank again. Like that's that's too much. Not only that, to those people, they're not gonna really know if it's on a blank light on feature or it's actually turned off. So that's why it's important. Overall though, if I had to give it a grading scale from one out of 10, I would give this one a six because it does offer it does offer a lot of simple stuff for you. It's very simple to use and streamlined in its process in terms of you don't have a whole lot to work with, so why do you have to complain about having too much to have? You don't. Not only that, you're, you're not having to bog yourself down with trying to figure out if it has an accelerometer or stuff. It's a very simple light to use. The color bleeding problem is pretty prevalent. No conjure feature is a big problem in my opinion. But other than that, I can't really complain with this light because at whatever price it is now, which I'm hoping it stays under 50 because it's base because it's smart, I can't really complain. It's a good serviceable light to do the things. Now, if I've had my fun with it, yes, I've been enjoying my time with it because it's been really, really great. So. That's pretty much all I need to cover in this episode on this chip. If you have any questions that I did not cover in this episode on this chip in particular that you want me to cover, please let me know. You have the comment section down below. You have all the various social medias that lets you can hit me up at. You got all those places. So please do not hesitate to do so. Overall, I will certainly say that when it comes to these chips, 
they're keepable. In all honesty though, I don't know if I want to do a giveaway or not because it's just it's a nice little review. If I do, I will release it into its own separate video type thing and do a giveaway separate from this episode. But yes, my overall grading on the Apollos is 6 out of 10. However, do not take that as a bad thing. Most lights don't even make it past 8 because I can't be... There's not that many lights out there that actually can get up to that 10, but that's just, that's just me. So, I certainly hope you guys enjoyed what I had to say. Thank you to everybody who has shown your support so far to this channel slash podcast slash whatever this thing is now. I had a lot of fun with these lights. I know the next one I want to try to cover is an ledglove.com one, or maybe if I check out GlowFX and see what they have to offer, maybe I can try one of their stuff now. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But yep, that's pretty much all I need to cover. Once again, thank you to everybody who's shown their support. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to ask. But yes, I am your host, Peter, a.k.a. LPD Dubuque, and I'll see you guys all next week.